Welcome to the Life in Deep Ellen podcast, exploring the sacred in art, faith, and community. Hey, y'all. So, um, good morning. I am uh, Baranda Furman. I am serving you and have been serving you as your interim pastor and interim executive director. And yeah, y'all, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. It's been a wonderful journey. It's been a roller coaster ride journey. It's, we've been tubing down the river. We've sat on the side on the shore and drank iced tea and mint juleps and fanned ourselves like good Southern church people. We've done all the things, including this portion of the journey where we're getting to the part that we were anticipating, the part where you all were like, why are you taking me through healing? Why are you taking me through history? I just want to get to the end. Just want to get to the part that God has for us next. And now we're almost there. We're almost there, and God has a few more things to prepare in our hearts and our minds. And in this Easter season, it just was apropos that we go through. Hold on. Um, nope, nope. Hold on. That we go through. There we go. Um, the book of Acts, and we go through this idea that God has given us to each other, right? This season brings together these ideas of what do we as a people do? If we believe in a triune God and we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, what do we do in life? Because the way that story goes, the way the gospel was intended, Jesus was not meant to stay. And God always kind of seemed so far away. And so what do we do now? If we believe in the glory and the beauty of Easter, what do we do now? Well, I'm going to preach to you about community. I know, I know, again, I've done that many of times. But this time from Acts chapter 4. So those of you that know we don't put scripture on the screen, our ushers Kevin has some Bibles. If you want to grab your Bibles, if you don't have your phone, if your phone's almost dead and you have it on low battery mode like I do most of the time, whatever the reason, if you just want to hold something. So we're going to start Acts chapter 4. And we're going to do something weird. And it might get hard for you to see that is intentional and that is okay. I'd like for you, as we get ready to read the scripture, to take a deep breath. Notice where your breath is in your body, if it's stuck in your throat or your chest. I want you to breathe deeply into your belly. And I'm going to start at verse 1. Now, as they were speaking to the people, the priests, the commander of the temple police, and the Sadducees confronted them. Because they were provoked that they were teaching the people and proclaiming the resurrection from the dead. 
and using Jesus as the example. So they seized them and put them, that's Peter and John, in custody until the next day, since it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. The next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Ananias, the high priest, Cephas, John, and Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. After they had Peter and John stand before them, they asked the question, by what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, rulers of the people and the elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done, all of you and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazarene, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing there before you healthy. This Jesus is. The stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people, and we must be saved by it. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in response. After they had ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, they conferred among themselves, saying, What should we do with these men? For an obvious sign evident to all who live in Jerusalem has been done through them, and we cannot deny it. However, so this does not spread any further among the people, let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name again. So they called for them and ordered them not to preach or teach at all in the name of Jesus. (laughs) But Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. After threatening them further, they released them. They found no way to punish them because the people were all giving glory to God over what had been done. For this sign of healing had been performed on a man over 40 years old. After they were released, they went to their own people and reported everything the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they all raised their voices to God and said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. You said through the Holy Spirit by the mouth of our father David, your servant. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers assembled together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel assembled together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your slaves may speak your message with complete boldness while you stretch your hand out for healing, signs, and wonders to be performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, 
The place where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak God's message with boldness. Hmm. Now the large group of those who believed were of one heart and mind and no one said that any of his possessions was his own. But instead, they held everything in common, and the apostles were given testimony with great power to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed for each person's basic needs. Joseph, a Levite, and a Sarah by birth, the one the apostles called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. <sighs> Community. Acts 4 is a lot. The past 11 months and three weeks have been a lot. In Acts 4, we find at the beginning of the story that folks are just doing what they feel like they're supposed to do. Talk about Jesus. Talk about all the things Jesus did while Jesus was here. Talk about what they're going to do now in the name of Jesus. And yet, somehow that's not where the story of being a community stops. It's where it starts. And so then, Peter and John are arrested And when asked to stop what they're doing, I mean, people already believe. Why do you have to keep talking about these things that Jesus did? I mean, Jesus himself is now gone. Shouldn't there be another topic of conversation? You don't have to talk about this anymore if you're going to be arrested, right? And so the idea that who we are might change based on what's going on. The idea that what we talk about might change, the idea that how we show up with each other might change, the idea that something has to change. But what exactly is it? How do we know what to change? How do we know what doesn't change? How do we, how do we know? <laughs> well, for those of us, for us in Credo community, for us that believe in a triune God, this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. If we don't know what to do, the purpose of this story is to know that God is with us through the Holy Spirit. 
See, it wasn't necessarily that when the community started praying, that when John and Peter started praying, then an answer came. It was that when they started praying, in the way that each of them was praying, the Holy Spirit came upon them. The idea that we don't know what to do next, what to say next, is scriptural. (laughs) It's not even scriptural as in like, you know, sometimes people in scriptures did things that God didn't intend. (laughs) They tried to find their own solutions and they ended up in hot, sticky messes. (laughs) It's also created by design. The Holy Spirit was intended to be with us when we didn't know. Guidance. I know, I know, that seems strange because... Much of the language that caused all the uproar amongst the Sanhedrins and amongst the Romans was this idea that Jesus was coming to bring a new regime. That Jesus was coming to invoke a new kingdom and a new king. And that got their feathers ruffled. Because the idea of rule and power didn't come from intimacy in their structure. It didn't come from knowing. It didn't come from sitting next to one another. It came from a throne. The idea that it would come from a cross, the idea that it would come from a people. But it wasn't just the external, political, cultural structure that was confused. (laughs) Given what we learned as we walked through the book of John and the revelations of Jesus and his divinity in those miracles, many of those that witnessed the work of Jesus in that season were also a bit confused. How many of you in this process of interim and this process of healing and history and horizon in this transformational arc have been confused? (laughs) I hear some laughter, but I don't see any hands. I'll let you off the hook. (laughs) See, the confusion comes because if Christ is our savior, if Jesus is the Messiah, then how did Jesus get nailed to the cross and not poverty? How did the one that works miracles get nailed to the cross and not injustice? How is it that all the things that ail us did not get pierced and buried and sent to the pits of hell rather than Jesus? So here's the thing. We're a bit confused as well. 
They find themselves in this moment where Peter and John is with them trying to figure it out together. And then all of a sudden, John and Peter are in jail. How is this happening again? How is there confusion again? Well, part of it is because in the confusion, whether it's in anger, whether it's in curiosity, whether it's in desperation, we seek God. We ask why, we ask how come, we ask what's next, we pray. And in our prayers, in the vibration of the hums and the moans and the songs, we have to remember at this point in the transition from Jewish people who believed in the way to Christian community, which isn't established for another two weeks in our series. There's still Jewish people who sing. And when they sing and when they hum and when they lament and when they moan and when they shake their fists and when they fall on their knees, guidance comes through the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit shows up as they pray. As they are still or not still. I don't know. Sometimes I pray and I'm like super, super still. And sometimes I pray and I pace. But as they ground themselves in who they are. As they speak the words that are in their heart authentically. The Holy Spirit shows up and guides them. guides John and Peter separate from them. It guides the community while they're together. It keeps them together in that place praying until something happens. Right? The story is careful to tell us that because of the hour that John and Peter were taken, they couldn't be processed and then set free or set to hang that day. It took time. And so their prayers and their pacing and their stillness and their songs kept them together long enough for John and Peter to return to them with the guidance that they needed. Which was actually not an answer to their question at all. What it was, instead, was a clear and strong declaration of their identity. We know who God is. We know why God sent Christ. 
We know why Christ has left us. And we know we belong with you together. Do you know that? I'm going to say something that for some people might make you sad. I'm going to say something that for some people might make you angry. I'm going to say something that for some of you might leave you confused. Our numbers are fewer than they were when I started. We are now at the core of our being at Life at Deep Ellum. Do those of you in here, can you say in the same way that John and Peter did when they were arrested, when they were held away from the people that God was in the process of establishing as theirs? Can you say that as far as life in Debellum is concerned, I know why God placed me here. I know why Jesus brought me here, kept me for this community. And I know what the Holy Spirit intends to do with my presence in this place. Because there is both a rooting and a pruning that will happen as this faith community is established, re-established, and walks alongside the new shepherds that are coming. If you do not understand why this place is assigned to your heart and your prayers, why your gifts are needed here and what God and the Holy Spirit intend to build in you through this place. Then the point of the Holy Spirit and the point of the Easter season, which is to give us an identity that keeps us from flying away in the wind like any other form of doctrine, will be lost. The thing that we know for sure is that the Holy Spirit is and was given to us for our comfort and our guidance. Meaning God and Jesus knew they were about to say, jump. See, prayer and discernment are not necessarily these processes for us to make the right decision. It's not about being right and marking it off and getting an A and passing the test. 
Because all of us know from our own life's ups and downs, let alone within this faith community, that when we say yes and when we feel like we have the answer, that is the beginning of what God wants to do with us, not the end of something. The purpose of the Easter season is to give us an identity, to give us a core. So that as we embark with our leaders alongside us on the journey towards the horizon that God has assigned to us, we know that come what may, this is ours. Come hell or high water, come jail, come sitting in a place for hours waiting for someone to return, that this is our place to sit. They are our people to return. See, the thing about community is that we do it repeatedly and out of habit. We come together, not out of tradition, but because we know that the times that we have to tarry with one another how long we wait if you don't know that the johns and peters out there in debellum belong here and belong to you when you get antsy When you've prayed and you feel like pacing and you think you're supposed to get still, you'll leave. Or when you stop pacing and you're tired, rather than sitting and singing, you'll leave. Do you know that this is your people? Have you sung? Have you cried? Have you prayed and seen the Holy Spirit show up for you here? Do you believe right now that this place is empty? Or do you feel the Spirit full and present? When you see empty chairs or when you notice that giving is down, are your, cre- are your tears a lament of times past or does your heart long for who God intends to bring next? The purpose of the Easter season is to show us who we are, to show us who belongs with and to us, because the season that is to come requires that we make demands and declarations about who God is and what God intends for us. I know, 
How do we know what to ask for? I mean, I've asked for things in this COVID season. I asked for things before this COVID season. I asked for the gallery to do certain things. I asked for a certain drink to be put on the menu. I asked for kids ministry to do X, Y, and Z with babies and toddlers and youth. And I asked and I asked and I asked. So how do I know what I'm supposed to ask? How do I know what demands I make? How do I know what is in my heart to declare? How do I know that without putting my place and my acceptance in this community in jeopardy? How do I know that I won't ask for something that the new lead pastor doesn't want to do? And then where do I go? Because let's be honest, most of us are at life in deep Ellum because the way that the other places in the city do church don't work for us. Let's be honest, we need life in deep Ellum to be our place because we don't know where our place is if it isn't. Let's put aside church stuff for a minute. Let's put aside this idea that leaders come to us to give us an identity, to give us an agenda, to let us know what our next steps are. Let's put that aside for a minute because we know at the core of who we are that that is not true. We know that the day that God gave us life and the day that we accepted Christ as our savior, that our identity was already on the slate. And the rest of our lives since then has been praying and singing and lamenting that God would show us where our people are so we can get to the work of God. You find yourself here through a year of an interim executive director and an interim pastor through a few years of upheaval and questions. You find yourself here when others don't because you believe that life in deep Ellum is your community. You believe that what God has intended for you to walk towards in your life as a message that God is real Jesus redeems and we are powerful in Christ. That that assignment is connected to art and coffee and commerce and the community and neighborhood of Deep Ellum. That is your truth at its core. And though you may be hesitant to do so, what this Easter season teaches us and what this story in Acts chapter 4 
requires of us as a community is that we declare who we know that we are and we demand that the Holy Spirit show up for us and tell us what the next best step is. The thing is, why do we hesitate? In scripture, it shows us that we are to declare and demand in this season, in the Easter season, that the way the church is established is through knowing our identity and asking that the Holy Spirit, the aspect of the Trinity left with us after the disappointment of Jesus not staying, after the disappointment of the world not realizing that the Messiah is the Messiah. And rather than cookies and cake and party and continuing the epic progressive dinner that Jesus started, they put him on a cross. And now we are left with each other and all of the things that he would have intended to nail to that cross instead. So where does our help come from? Where does our guidance come from? John O'Donohue is one of my favorite poets. He has a book, this book, you've seen me read from this book before. It's called To Bless the Space Between Us. Literally, there are some spaces between us. Literally, there is a space, so much space, between this corner of Deep Ellum and what's happening a couple of blocks this way and a couple of blocks that way. Because we are here, because through all the ups and downs, all the ins and outs of the past several years, the Holy Spirit has solidified in each of us that we know that this is our space and these are our people. And though we don't know what that means, what Acts chapter four helps us understand is that as we declare our identity and make demands upon the Holy Spirit, each next best step will become clear. John O'Donohue has a poem for the time of necessary decision. If you're comfortable lowering your gaze or closing your eyes, or staring lovingly at the person next to you, I invite you to do so right now. The mind of time is hard to read. We can never predict what it will bring, not even from all that is already done and gone. Can we say what form it finally takes for time gathers in moments secretly? 
often we only know it's time to change. When a force has built inside the heart that leaves us uneasy as we are. Perhaps the work we do has lost its soul or the love where we once belonged calls nothing alive in us anymore. We drift through this gray, increasing nowhere until we stand before a threshold we know. We have to cross to come alive once more. May we have the courage to take the step into the unknown that beckons us. The courage to trust that a richer life awaits us there, that we lose nothing but what has already died. That we feel the deeper knowing in us assured of all that is about to be born beyond. The pale frames where we stayed confined, not realizing how such vacant endurance was bleaching our soul's desire. In this moment, God is reminding us that though sometimes community is baptisms and baby dedications, and sometimes community is prayer vigils and summer spectaculars, that Christian community is a community that knows enough about who they are and is excited enough about where they fit into God's story to declare that they want to be a part of it and demand that the Holy Spirit show them the next best step. Life in Debellum, it is time for us to trust the Holy Spirit in whatever way we know it. To sing the songs, to pace in prayer, to sit still and lament our fears and our doubts. And to believe as surely as we believe in Christ the Redeemer and God the Creator, that the Holy Spirit is with us no matter what we choose, but that we must and we are equipped to choose whether with our head or with our hearts.